Welcome to The Naked Truth, real talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Deborah, And I'm Eric. And today we're joined by someone who has been dancing West Coast Swing for over 20 years and competing nationally at the champion all-star level since 2005. Her background includes a Bachelor of Science in Physical Education with a minor in dance, and she has studied jazz, ballet, modern contemporary, country, and swing. She competed in Showcase with partner Jim Minty for three years and competed a few years later with Michael Kielbasa in Classic. She's a very experienced teacher and is known for her focus on technique, the lead-follow relationship, and her creative musicality. She has taught across the United States and internationally, with partners including John Kirkconnell, Maxence Martin, and Chuck Brown. She now teaches West Coast Swing Weekly at Century Ballroom here in Seattle and can be found teaching, judging, and competing at national swing dance events. Please welcome to the show, Katie Schneider. Hi! And I'll also add, it's very exciting that we're all sitting in the same room. I know. Shocking. This never happens. Never happens. Yep. So, Katie, how did you get started in West Coast Swing? My origin story. Fun. Um, (laughs) I love origin stories. I was a line dancer in high school. um, And I remember I went away to college. And while I was gone, my line dancing friends were like, oh, my gosh, we found this thing. We found this dance. When you get home, we're taking you to a class. I was like, sweet, let's do it. So they take me to a West Coast Swing class. Um, local teachers, uh, Terry West and Jackie Hershey, oh, yeah, for teaching sure. West mm-hmm. Coast Swing. Mm-hmm. And they did the little like 30-second demo of this is what West Coast Swing looks like. And I thought Jackie was just the sexiest thing I had ever mm-hmm. seen. And it was just that moment of, I have to do this. I must learn this. And that was that was it. I was in headfirst from, from then on. And that was 20, 20 years ago. Head first. I love it. <laughs> I just, I mean, I did within two weeks of my first lesson, my friends were like, there's this dance event down in Portland. Want to go? And I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, let's go. And so like, I went to a full three-day weekend with dancing and workshops and I did it. I did it all. I got as much as I could in during the summer because I went to school um, in Eastern Washington where there's no swing dancing. So I did as much as I could in the summer right. before I went back to college and then would come home when I could on the weekends. But yeah. Now you're a rock star. And now I'm so um who influenced you most in those in those early days but also throughout your career in those early days um a lot of people locally like uh mark johnston alicia leo paula melinda booth all right were you know rich lundine mm-hmm. were the kind of big dancers here mm-hmm. um of course terry and jackie still taught a bunch so i took a lot of lessons with them um, pretty early into my like dancing, um, I ended up with a classic routine. So after Rich and I started dating, um, his classic partner, he had a classic routine as a partner and that kind of fell through. Right. And then Kyle was like, why doesn't she do it? <laughs> so, so, you know, here I am like a super baby. And when I go to events, I'm dancing novice and um, and now I'm working on a classic routine and Kyle and Sarah are my coaches. Mm-hmm. So that was, they were really influ- influential for me at the very beginning um, because I, I got the opportunity to work with them. So early was really fun. Yeah. Kyle and Sarah influenced a lot of uh, couples in uh, the dance community, but you, you talked about classic, mm-hmm. but then after that you started doing showcase. Absolutely. Right. And you started mm-hmm. doing showcase with Jim Minty mm-hmm. and how did you end up becoming partners? Um, so we both live in the Seattle area and around the same time, our other partnerships, relationships had fallen apart and we, <laughs> that's how it is. That's and we both happens. kept getting people kind of nudging us like, Hey, you should teach with, you should teach with. I mm-hmm. mean, at this point, like 
I was someone he had given lessons to. Um, right. You know, he was a teacher of mine. Mm-hmm. And so um, we got together and thought, well, let's dance a little bit and talk about this and see if teaching together would be something that we, because our, our collective students, because we each had different student bodies, right. were, like, were missing a couple that they wanted to take from. So we decided to start teaching together. And we taught together for two years before we jumped into doing showcase. I think long term we knew we wanted to, but we um, wanted to build like a relationship, I guess, yeah. before we decided to compete together. Like so wonder right. dance powers, activate. <laughs> yeah, well, we just wanted to give it time to like, do we gel together? Do we dance all right. together? Um, is this, you know, we wanted it to be a good working relationship because we both come from our previous dance partnerships had also been personal relationships. Mm. And that just came with so much um, trouble and fighting and, and neither one of us wanted to be yeah. in a situation like that again. And right. so we, we, we approached this dance partnership very carefully yeah. to make sure that it was going to be good for us emotionally. I, I can guess. totally relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Smart, smart decision to just be a dance partnership, yeah. I think. Yeah. And we definitely um, wanted to do showcase we thought we could be more competitive with our skill set. Right. We thought that would be a good route for us. So. Didn't you compete against me? <laughs> Probably. I think you did. I don't know if you were still doing showcase at the time, though. I remember asking I, you about moves, and you were like, that's mine. <laughs> I feel like there was one year when we crossed over, I feel like. Well, you Maybe. said you started in 2006 or seven. <gasps> probably Maybe. 2006. Probably know. our first our first open. It could be, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. It's all a blur to me these days. <laughs> so long ago. I don't even know what's happening in my life anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like to compete in Showcase so and or go to the Open? <laughs> so scary. So scary. I had been to the Open right. um, before then um, doing classic routines. Right. And, and Showcase is another level. Yeah. Man. It mm-hmm. is another level of, like, there's always that, I might forget a move or miss a hand but with showcase like I might die I hope I make it off the floor in a couple of minutes it's so true yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I felt um so I approached showcase with this like I have the skill set for this my partner has the skill set for this Mm -hmm. this is what I should do um, but without necessarily the love of being a flyer right (laughs) but you are very good in the air I, I yeah. had been a gymnast, right. so like this again. This is a skill set that that I knew I could do. Right. Um. So I approached it with that like determination of right, right, right. I can do this, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this. And after it was over, I was always like, "Oh, that was so fun!" But I I, I had a lot of nerves going into <laughs> it as far as um yeah, if if I was gonna make it. It's funny right. because I know. <laughs> It's funny because d- during my time in, in Showcase, mm-hmm. there was a lot of people, because it wasn't a really large division, as you know. No, yeah. Right? But there were a lot of people that would jump into Showcase because there were less couples and they thought it was easier because they were less couples. Right. But it's it's a much more difficult skill set. It's a much more difficult set. endeavor. I, like, I like what you said. You know, you, you're worried about if I'm going to make it to the other side, right? Because you're in the air and, you know, you don't know. Things can happen and practices mm-hmm. are much more rigorous than practicing um, classic. So I'm glad you were in Showcase, though, because you're great in the air. Yeah, I like you up there. Flying, you're a good flyer. Um, So, yes, go ahead. I just want to ask just one question, because, and both of you have done Showcase, and like you Mm -hmm. said, it is more physically rigorous. Mm -hmm. And you said you have the skill set, right? You were a gymnast, but you still have to train to do, like, these partnered lifts. What was it like taking on that challenge and preparing yourselves to do Showcase? (laughs) Like, it's one thing to say, oh, I did gymnastics. 
Right, but another to do a routine. Yes. And I'm curious what the training process was and how, how that was different for you from, say, showcase routines. Or, sorry, classic routines. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have to get lift coaching and right. you have to find a room with a tall ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Jim. Especially with Jim. Yeah. He's 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. And with a long arms. Like, right. I had done, I had been picked up and I had been in the air with other people. Mm-hmm. Being in the air with him was different. Oh, that yeah. six extra inches is... It's exponential. <laughs> Not just six extra <laughs> inches, but also a, an extra foot because he was six feet six. Right. You know what yes. I mean? Not mm-hmm. like five ten. Plus his heels and then his arm. Right. right. Like right. it's a lot. It's just it's 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 higher and it's taller. I remember later, like after that, doing like just mess around doing lifts with Maxence, who's much closer to my height. It was like this is so much less scary. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um. Yeah. So it, as far as. Finding a safe place to practice a gym with has some mats where if you right. if you fall you know mm-hmm. you're, you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, I did learn that like I can fall and I can handle it. Right. Um, yeah, but you should have known that being a gymnast. Cause, totally. Yes, yeah. I can tuck and roll. But that was it was it was hard. It was harder to train Jim to allow to you let me fall because oh. mm. he would try because that part of him that wanted to protect me. Right. And he's figuring if you fall and get hurt, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but you're going to hurt yourself trying to catch me. Like, right. just let me go. I'll be fine. <laughs> right. So that was something that we had That's to work around also that yeah. like him not wanting me to hit the ground, but. I was like, I'm only, you know, at, at the point that you're stopping me, it's only an extra four or five minutes. Right, but also, but in defense to him, to, though, it's important also for him to learn how to do that just in case yes. it does happen, mm-hmm. you know, and showcase that the object is not to let you fall. The object is to recover and help it, you. Absolutely. Right. So, but it's good that he tried to help you. That's a good partner. I know. I yeah, know. Because there are some partners that'd be like, oh, yeah. How's it over there, down there? <laughs> Do you need some help? That's true. Uh, I can't say I didn't see some of that in rehearsals. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say for for both of you because you did showcase right. too. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was that like for like you and Robert, mm-hmm. um, or for you and Jim? The when it goes wrong, uh, you know, how do you how do you how did you sort of train yourself to recover? Because I feel like it's different than showcase where you miss a hand. You're like, oh, crap. Oh, classic. Yeah. This is like, you're on the floor. <laughs> right. Well, I, for, for me, um, I was always taught being the dancer that I was that you should never let them see you sweat. So right. if, if you do fall, you make something else out of it. Yeah. It becomes another it move. Becomes something it else. becomes something else. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't get shocked by the initial whatever went wrong. And I had to kind of train Robert. Uh, to do that because he would always like stop. Yeah. And I was like, well, what if this happens while we're competing? You can't stop. Right. We have to figure out a way to get out of it in some way. And then he got really, you know, good at it. There was actually a moment when we were doing chains at the open where we went into the fish, the fourth position. Uh, you know, it was not fish. It was me in fourth and him bringing me around. And I punched him in the face and you saw, <laughs> you saw his head go left, right real quick. And he just kept and turns me around like That's there was, yeah. Like I, like I clocked him. Like if you go pay attention to it, you'll see him go. It's really funny. (laughs) Was it on time? (laughs) It was actually. It was really on time. Yeah, it was really on time. So for me, it was just a matter of you you just Just have to, yeah, yeah, and just keep going. Yeah. How did Mm -hmm. you get Jim comfortable with that? Um, Was the same thing? Just doing it. (laughs) Same thing. You just, I mean, not everything went perfect. I don't think I ever. 
fell like on the ground sure. and had to get up and recover from yeah, that. Yeah. But there were times when the lift didn't go quite how we wanted and you just you get down and your you know your music's still on, you just right. get right back into wherever wherever you left off and, right. and you keep going. Right. Yeah, I feel like one of the hardest challenges doing routines, even in classic, but certainly more in showcase, is and you see it on competitors' faces when it didn't go right. Exactly. And to get the like gumption to mm-hmm. like to reach down deep and be like, we're gonna make whatever mm-hmm. we do from here on out better. Right. Than what happened in the first place, you know, mm-hmm. and not be like, oh crap, the judges saw it, game over, right? There's a lot of times where we watch competitions and something bad goes wrong, and it's easy to be like, well, that's it, we're done, right? Um, but to keep to keep moving and, and getting through that routine. But at the same time, <clears throat> um, the judges aren't the only people watching you. Right? No, of you know course. what I mean. Yeah. You still have an audience of people right. that that are that are watching you, and maybe they didn't see it. Right. You know what I mean. Right. So. You still, um, you always have your, you know, your, your reputation mm-hmm. to uphold that, you know, people are watching and, and remembering you and. Right. And I think it's important. And you're dancing for them. Like, that's really why you should be out there. It always bothers me when people are like, I don't, you know, dance is my art and I don't dance for other people. I just do what I love. And I'm like, that's stupid. Then why don't you just dance by yourself or right. no one's watching? <laughs> if you're bringing a routine to a ballroom right. full of people, you should be putting something on the floor that you think they're going to enjoy. Right. No, I agree Or you that. shouldn't dance for audiences. Right. Right. Be, right. I think, yeah. I, I do both. I dance for myself because there's a passion. But yeah. the competition part is the performance right part. Yeah. Right. So speaking of competition. Yes. Um, you <laughs> stepped back. From competition for a while. And um, why? Well, I had kids. Yes, you did. (laughs) I did. I have two beautiful little girls, um, Ellie and Alina. They are four and a half and two and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that takes a little bit of time to adjust your life to having kids. And when they're little, you you can't travel as much as you can. Some people mm -hmm. do. Right. Um, But like I said, my... My husband, Andrew, is not a dancer, and so I have this whole other life. You know, I'm also a hairstylist. I, I do other things besides dancing. So dancing had to kind of take a backseat um, to, to mm-hmm. starting my family. Tell everybody what your husband does, because it's one of my favorite professions. He's a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> I love firefighters! And he's hot, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty cute. He's pretty cute, and he's a great dad. He's a fantastic uh-huh. dad. And a good husband. Good husband. And he supported yes. you through dancing mm-hmm. and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's great. You're a lucky, lucky, lucky woman. I am. I'm mm-hmm. super lucky. Yeah. yeah. In fact, before you started, uh, before you just you had children, you were married before that and still traveling and teaching? Yes. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Because he's a um, non-dancer. And right. You're so that was... Getting the road. um, Getting married was an adjustment. Traveling internationally was an adjustment. Like Mm -hmm. I said, when we met, I was already doing this professionally. Um, And I said to him, you can learn it if you want to. You cannot learn it if you don't want Mm -hmm. to. But I'm not quitting this for you. Right. So you need to know that about me now. Um, I think we were dating like a month when I was like, you should come to Easter swing and see what I do, what I do here mm-hmm. and what this is about. And if you're going to be, I'm going to introduce you to some of my friends and, um, dancers are a little more touchy feely than other people. <laughs> right. Maybe I'm, you know, hug people or hold mm-hmm. hands with someone. And I need you to know that this isn't what it is right in to a normal people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're either going to acclimate to that. And, and he was really great about it. He was like, well, there's nothing that I can do about that. And I want to be with you. So, mm-hmm. so, okay. Right. Um, but when we got married, 
there was a little bit of a difference because mm. now I just wasn't his girlfriend. Mm. I was his wife. Mm. And so he was like, maybe you could stop holding hands with people if mm. you're not actively walking onto the dance floor. And I was like, that's a reasonable you know, request, request, <laughs> or like if I was teaching with someone, if they wanted a picture of us, he was like, maybe the photo of you guys doesn't look like you're a couple, <laughs> which is harder than you think. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Not just like hug somebody and right. then you, but to, you know, it, to be respectful of both him and his family who I'm now Facebook friends with and stuff, you sure. know, um, it's important to him that I don't present myself as part of a couple right, with right. another man. That's totally so just, reasonable. Yeah. You know, working those kinds of kinks out. Um, right. That's interesting. Because I feel like I know some couples where uh, the, rec- uh, I don't know how to say this. I guess like there's more anxiety about that before they kind of lock it down with a ring. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, oh, okay, I put the ring on her. I don't have to worry about it anymore. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, right, um, right. They feel more secure that they're in a more committed relationship. Whereas like when you're still dating, some people don't feel as secure. So it's interesting to me that, I mean, I understand why. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, like, mm-hmm. I don't want my mom to see us, you know, see a picture <laughs> exactly. of my wife, like yeah. right, being it's also, a couple with somebody else. I feel like it's also hard for people to understand who don't do what yes. we do that they, 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 it's hard for them to understand that, wait, you dance till five o'clock in the morning. You're constantly touching mm-hmm. one another and nothing's cool. happening between right. You know, the two, like, I had to explain this to my ex after Robert that I, that I dated. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, I don't, I just, I don't get this. Like, you hug each other, you dance with each other, you're always touching. How, how is it that, you know, nothing other than that is happening? And I was like, oh, no, it's not. Right. But, but yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. just, yeah, we're just dancing. Well, and it's funny how you mentioned the hand holding because definitely as a dancer, I'm, I think, I do not think twice about grabbing, grabbing somebody's hand. hand. Right. <laughs> yeah, to bring them and, on. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it, to to do something, it, I mean, as far as walking to the dance floor, but sometimes it would be like, you know, from the lobby to the restaurant, you might just walk and hold hands. Yeah. And, and we just, we don't think about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're a very close-knit mm-hmm. type of group. Yeah. So, yeah, adjusting my expectations and then... And at that point, I think I was traveling, because I've always had another job. So at that right. point, I was traveling maybe once a month to an event somewhere mm-hmm. um and when i started traveling internationally and the the time i was gone was a little bit longer like right. those stretches got harder there was there was one stretch of time that i did the most traveling um i did five weekends in a row but the last two weekends were a combination trip because i did two weeks in france so oh, i was two weekends plus the week in between mm-hmm. and so i was you know, I was gone, 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 and then gone for two weeks. And so it was when I got back, my husband was like, I can't do this. Don't ever leave <laughs> for that long again. Right. And I was like, okay, yeah, because that was kind of a lot mm-hmm. for me. And it was too much for us. So, like, right. we kind of knew where the boundaries where were. The boundaries were on that. Yeah. But that's really, great that he spoke up and sure. said something. Yeah. yeah. And didn't, like, was comfortable get with it. Yeah. Anything. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, this is a hard business to be in as a male or female with a significant other that yeah. is not in. That's not part of it. Right. And there's a lot of us like myself that don't want to be in a relationship with someone that is in this business because your personal life it's is messy. It is messy. Yeah. It doesn't matter how private you try to keep they it. don't go away when you break up. Right. In the, world, right? in the real life, you can break up with someone. And then if you don't ever want to see them again, right. you don't have to. Right. But that doesn't happen for us here. No, it doesn't. So it ends up getting a little hairy and, and, yeah. and messy. But also, too, uh, it's really difficult to mix, you know, business and you know and pleasure like you're you're working together and you're living together and i mean there's like no moment of 
you know, solace yeah. for yourself. So I made a, a new rule and I was like, yeah, I'm not. I mean, they have to be an, an extraordinary person to date them in the same, in this community. Yeah, it would have, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm... And I think, like, I think if I were single, if I ever was dating someone else in the community, like, mm-hmm. I would also try to be like, and we will not be dance partners also. Right. I mm-hmm. did that too, like, my first yeah, yeah. boyfriend in the community was right. my dance partner. Like, mm-hmm. it just was all that we taught together. It just, mm-hmm. it was too much. just, it was too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. So I never, I came away from that relationship to be like, I don't ever want that kind yeah. of I'm surprised again. I'm still alive. It was so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I well, can't. <laughs> and I am amazed at couples that do have, mm-hmm. I mean, we talked to Kyle and Sarah about this, but like mm-hmm. have the personal and professional mm-hmm. be one and the same. And I can see how it works well, but you can also get the spillover of like a fight that happened off the dance floor right. <laughs> affecting what's happening on mm-hmm. the dance floor or vice versa. So hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I commend like, even though it happened when they were like Jordan and Tatiana were a couple mm-hmm. and dance partnership. And then, then they broke up and they did such a spectacular job. Yeah. Of staying as a professional couple, mm-hmm. and they're like the best of friends, and um, and no one has accomplished that like they have. No, no one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they need to write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell them <laughs> business <laughs> ideas. Yes. Um, so then, what was it like when you did step back to have children? Because, like you said, this was part of who you are, what you do, your career. Right. right. Um. um so it was definitely hard. The hardest part about it, honestly, was not seeing my friends that I was mm. used to seeing on mm. a regular basis. As far as did I miss staying in hotel ballrooms and did I miss <laughs> right. the competing part of it? Not really. Mm. I missed my friends right. mostly. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I went back to seeing those people once a month too. Um, you know, through two or three times a year. Some people once a year, depending on which event, you know, they were coming to town for. Right. Um, but I mean, once you have babies that live in your house with you, your life well, where is else would they live? <laughs> well, I'm just meaning that, like, your own. I didn't have time to right. lament this, you know, missing the friends, missing, yeah, right. And it was nice about Facebook is people think that I have left, but I don't feel like I left. I still see, see what everyone's yeah. doing, right, I'm right? Watching videos and you know, interacting with people and, sure. um, you know, still chatting, you know, be a messenger and stuff with, mm-hmm. with my friends that are out there. And the other thing that I, that I did was I switched to having weekly classes. I hadn't had weekly classes in a really long time because I had been doing so much traveling mm-hmm. and I didn't want to teach both on the weekends and during the week. And so once I was kind of giving up the, the traveling piece, I started doing weekly classes at the Century Ballroom here in Seattle. And that's been awesome. Like it was, it's been really great to like take a program and build it from, and, and yeah. build it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I took over someone else's program, but I mean, there have been changes that we've made. Right. But I, I actually remember when you started to take it over, I feel like mm-hmm. you, you've made it larger and you know, people know about it more and it's more what West Coast Swing is. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it was kind of taught more like a ballroom kind of feel. Right. Um, it wasn't. The Century Ballroom is a it's a social ballroom more than mm-hmm. anything else. Other dances that they do are um Lindy Hop and Salsa and okay. Tango. So like they're not a ballroom ballroom. They're mm-hmm. a they're a social dance place. Mm-hmm. Um and the people that they had teaching West Coast Swing, um, Pete Green started that program. Oh see, I was under the impression yeah. it was actually a, a Latin couple no, that no, had no, started no, no, no. it. Okay, Pete gotcha. Pete Green started it when he lived here mm-hmm. and so he was teaching with Darren. Oh. Hayes was her, she's Darren yeah, Hershey yeah, yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then 
after Pete left, Dan kept the program going. Right. And so she taught it with both like Harish and Joshua Sturgeon and her were partners gotcha. for a while. Um, and eventually she was teaching it with Justin, her husband, mm-hmm. um, at the time that they decided they didn't. It just was a perfect kind of transition thing where they were like, we kind of want, you know, want to not dance and be dance teachers anymore. Um, are you interested? And I was like, it's great that you say that because I'm pregnant and I'm not going to travel anymore. <laughs> right. Ta-da. Like, what a perfect time mm-hmm. for this to come together for us. Yeah, the universe took care of you. It did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked Benjamin Lofton here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. He was I, like, who I teach love. with me. Yeah, he's an all-star dancer here yeah. in Seattle who is fantastic. And he's been just like the perfect partner because at that point he hadn't done a lot of teaching. He'd done right. some teaching in salsa, but not a lot in West Coast Swing. So mm-hmm. he didn't have like a way that he liked to do it so I could mm-hmm. just teach my way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he adapted to that. Right. And now we've kind of, we have our own like way together. Right. Which is um, great. But it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I'm going to go back to showcase sure. for, for a sec. Um, because you know, I love that division. Mm-hmm. It's my division. Um, what is your impression of showcase lately? Cause I feel it has gone through a, a transition and oh, her eyes got all big. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your impression of showcase lately? Um, it's gotten so, well, I mean, I feel like both classic and showcase have both kind of veered down this path of, mm-hmm. are we still swing dancing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that Benji elevated what showcase yeah. can be, right. um, which inspired a lot of people, which was fun. Just seeing the different kinds of lifts and things. I mean, mm-hmm. him and Tori, the things that they would come up with. I know. I was always just like, what do you, how did this happen? How? Why? Yeah. <laughs> just really? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, so, so that's been, it was super fun to see it as a spectator. I'm really glad I don't have to compete against yeah. that mm-hmm. anymore because the, um, yeah, I it's mean, a lot. It's it's a lot, and that's not my skill set necessarily. Is right, right. So, um, but yeah, it's been it's been it's. I do get really excited when there are like Miles and Tessa's routine this year. Great, so good. It's so good. I help them find their music. Oh, the music is so good, mm-hmm. and it um, it swings yeah. in a way that I love, enjoy, mm-hmm. and that I enjoy. <clears throat> right, mm-hmm. I yeah. agree with that. Totally. So, I, 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 which I feel like, you know, when Showcase was, <clears throat> when I was doing it, it was 60% swing and now it's 50. And mm-hmm. I feel like that 10% difference, be- mm-hmm. I feel like when it was 60, people were still doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that it's 50. People are doing less. People are doing less. Yeah. I yeah. think it's also important to like, you know, point out that Benji elevated Showcase, but he still had tons of swing. Oh, right. Yes. You're right. Ben, and his, yes. and his yes. dancing yes. and, and what, what people who were inspired by that took it further right because they, they don't have the skill set yet yes right that benji does 100 percent. Right. yes no benji has never been on my list of people that right. do not swing right <laughs> he totally swings his ass off for sure yes. right um mm-hmm. well and i feel like a lot of people we've talked about this before but people see the kind of non-swing elements right right the showier right. athletic things and, they and they're drawn to that, that. right, right. Mm-hmm. and so a lot of people will be you know They'll figure out that part and then try to cram swing into their routine somewhere else. And what I think is happening in that scenario, um, what overall is happening, I think, in both divisions Mm -hmm. is that people are seeing the flashy things Mm -hmm. and they're seeing the what and they're not seeing the how and the how. The when Mm -hmm. for me in Mm -hmm. terms of how did that fit into their swing timing? Mm -hmm. When did they leave it? When did they come back to it? Gotcha. Was there a 
like a triplistic element to how they did it. Mm-hmm. Was this trick completed in a seven and eight kind of yeah. vibe? Mm-hmm. So I feel like the 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 what started being replicated, but the when was lost. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I feel like Jordan and Tatiana were also really influential on oh, that. Like totally on the classic side. <clears throat> if yes. you if you watch them dance and you count. You just count eight counts, and you count to eight, and you count, like, whip timing. You can see where the they in come and out in and out. Of swing. And, and they do a swing. great job. And they do a fantastic job yeah. of it. They're um, the best at it in classic, e- I feel like. Even yeah. in their show pieces, when they did their first show piece, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And had more swing content than the majority of the mm-hmm. classic competitors that I watched. Right. <laughs> <laughs> was, I mean, that's just how I was feeling about it. And that, and that I think, is what really, like, elevates and separates them. Mm-hmm. And it, But I think it takes a particular skill set to see that that's what's happening. Right. And I think right. also, like, um, Jordan Todd have an uncanny ability to put really – interesting tricks into their into their timing into their timing which you can still see the in and out you know of the swing but we cannot forget to you know mention Kyle and Sarah because they swing yes yeah that's like ridiculous swing content for them Mm -hmm. too um I think those two couples are the two couples to look at yes like if you want to learn or emulate or what a classic routine should Should look look like like depending on what style of classic you want right Mm because they're both very classic in different ways Mm -hmm. those are the two couples that you should totally be looking at trying not to copy yeah learn how they go in and out i love how you said the when that's really yeah. a good way and that's something that it. i've been um <clears throat> the more that i like talk with people about it as far as educating like what are we looking at in both classic and showcase mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. well, the times that people have been like didn't you love so-and-so's routine and i was like <sighs> <laughs> it was really pretty <laughs> and they would be like well, what didn't you like and i was like well here then how about you go, I want you to go and watch it, and I want you to count to eight. I want you to count their music. I want you mm-hmm. to figure out where the music is, if you were social dancing to it, where would where are the ones and the fives and the eights, mm-hmm. like where are those moments? And then come back to me and tell me what you watched. Right. And those conversations are always, they're fun for me, because people are usually come back and are like, whoa, <laughs> I'm not sure that I saw it that way. I mm-hmm. never thought to think of the music that way. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, and I take this into how I judge both right. classic and showcase because right. I do that from right. time to time. Mm-hmm. As far as, um, yeah, it's it's the when of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like when a routine starts, um, there's always a moment where I start to get itchy. Like, right. And then I, and it compels me to start counting their song. Mm. Right. Don't you think another thing that's really important? And that's how I start determining the when, the in and out. The when mm-hmm. and are are we are we dancing to swing timing? Because I feel like a lot of couples do make that effort to put swing content, and they have the what, but it's at the wrong time or in the wrong place. And for me, if it's now for now operating in something that I'm calling off time mm-hmm. because it's out of swing timing, not necessarily off time with the music itself, mm-hmm. but out of sync with swing timing, then. Does it get to count as swing content? Right. I think the other thing, too, though, is that there are a lot of couples that will put uh, swing rhythms or swing timing into their routine, but they still don't look like they're swing dancing because of the quality of movement isn't there. Yes. So that's another thing that kind of gets lost in translation yes. with a lot of dances. So I'm glad you agree with that. Um, I, I find that... Um, We've lost a lot of, like, I can see the timing of swing, but I don't see swing in their body. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, we talked about like the aesthetic right. of swing. Right. Uh, people who look too much like a ballerina or they right. look too Latin or whatever right. it is. And it's like, yes, you're doing a pass push and a whip. Mm-hmm. You're on time. But you don't have the essence of what we look like. look like swing. Right. right. <laughs> yes. Right. And that doesn't negate that those people aren't good dancers, mm-hmm. right? And that they don't have good quality of movement and all that stuff. We don't want to make anyone think that they're terrible because they're not. But it's a different quality right. of movement. Mm-hmm. I think quality of movement can mean a lot of things to different people. But like mm-hmm. when I'm talking about... Right, I get what you're saying. Yeah, swing dancing and I'm judging the swing contents. Mm-hmm. And I tell you that I'm judging quality of movement. I'm... I'm judging the way your body ripples through a triple step and an anchor. Understood. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah. I, I use the term aesthetic because I right. feel like you're right. Like, a ballerina has great quality of movement, mm-hmm. but it's not what I want to see in a swing contest. It's too upright. It's too proper. That too, yeah. Yeah. Um, which gets to the question, because you do judge, um, mm-hmm. and you've seen the dance sort of evolving, mm-hmm. um, and part of this is, and, and you've taught abroad, because I think part of it is the influence we've had from the dance spreading mm-hmm. um, and people with different backgrounds right. coming in, that yeah. the aesthetic has changed. The way we approach the dance has changed. I'm curious what you think of the change. What do you like? What do you want to see more of? What do you think of the direction of the dance in general? Um, no, such loaded questions. Yeah, well, it's the naked but truth. That's right. We, <laughs> this is the good stuff. We don't um, hold anything back here. No, it's the, and, and honestly, these are all of the things that, like I told you before we started, when I would listen to your other podcast, I always wanted to jump in. Right. So the other conversations, like these are the things that I wanted to talk about, honestly, mm-hmm. as far as jumping into those conversations. Because mm-hmm. um, it is interesting. And I and the difference that I think is how we learn the dance mm-hmm. and what music we learn, learn it, it to. Yes. Right. Totally. Um, because when I was, I mean, I spent the most of my international travel was to France mm-hmm. and, and we weren't usually teaching to blues dancing and not to throw max on under the bus but there was one workshop where we were we were teaching and we were playing music during the 15 minute break and it was i was playing it off my ipod and a blues song came on and he walked over to my ipod and changed it no and i said and it was it was gangster of love no yes. and i said max Sons! I said, what are you doing and he went nobody dances to the blues in france and i was like why and he was like because because we that's we don't we they marketed it as a contemporary dance over there, mm-hmm. yes. where twenty years ago it was a blues dance with country roots. Like all half the events I went to were country swing events. Right, right but here and there was more blues. I learned to blues. Right, and we begged the DJ to play contemporary music. Right, but here's the difference. The difference is is that the people that came out of that era, you, myself, blah blah, were still here. And that's right. <laughs> and there's no type of music that we can't dance to. For sure. But see, I'm getting there. Okay. Which is the thing. Because we're we, still here. Because we learned <laughs> right. to a different set of music, mm-hmm. we picked up a different skill set mm-hmm. that we continue to value. Right. And when we don't see it, it's because a lot of the other communities out there aren't using it as their teaching music. Mm-hmm. And so the skill set isn't being acquired by everyone. In the same way. Like, they're not acquiring skills the same way that we did. As, you, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm just saying that, that that's just what I see. Right. So so here's my question then. Do you think it's because, not just blues music, I feel like if we talk about music from the 80s back, 
Okay, just the classic eight, music. Just the from the eighties back. All of that music doesn't matter what genre mm-hmm. it was. For the most part, had lots of instruments in it, right? Mm-hmm. And real instruments, right? A lot of funk music. A, a lot of instruments. Yeah. A lot of uh, not, not a lot of like synthesizer and one instrument and a singer. Like not a lot of electronic right. stuff. So it gave us a skill set to to learn how to listen for many mm-hmm. things going on in music, whereas now the music that people are exposed to is very simple. So when they hear something like a blues song or even a funk song, it's like they get the deer in the headlights and they're like, oh my God, or like Bambi on ice, you know? Well, I feel like it's partly that, Mm -hmm. um, the the structure of the music, but I also feel like it's the feel of the music. Mm -hmm. So Dancing in Europe, when I go, it's all this... And granted, there can be a range of music, sure. but I feel like in general, the trend is towards quote unquote contemporary music mm-hmm. that has, it doesn't have that driving beat that blues and soul funk. and funk and mm-hmm. even some pop music has, right? Even that some, like rock rhythm. Mm-hmm. Even some Sinatra music, some right, swing music. Yeah, yeah. Swing music. So yeah. I feel like they, in some cases, they're actually dancing to really intricate rhythms. Right. But... It's not no soul. It's not building what I think of swing as like as a quote unquote rhythm dance, mm-hmm. right? Like rhythm based. Yes. Where one, it's bass driven, so you want to use your lower half, right? Um, you want to use your feet. You want to triple, right? Right. Like the music. I totally agree with you. I think the music one hundred percent dictates. Um, and it just seems to me like when you lose that variety. Like you said, you're losing some skills of right. interpreting he, music right. regardless and, of its complexity. But here's the other thing that I find uh, perplexing is that it's not that the instructors of today, like the Jordan Tots, the Kylan Sarahs, the Myselfs, the Maxonses, mm-hmm. you, uh, Eric Jacobson, John Lindo, Robert Royston, it's not that we're not t- using these types of songs, blues songs, sure. funk songs in our classes. The problem is, is the DJs are not playing any of the music. So how can anybody learn how to dance to it? We, we, they're only exposed to instructors an hour at a time and say, and say yeah. throughout the weekends, maybe eight hours, right? Whereas the DJs are constantly playing music in between competitions during social dances. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that don't know the music because no one's playing it. Right. Just the teachers are. Yeah. So I feel like that's the problem too. It's part of it for sure. But um, to validate, I'm gonna I'm gonna give back to Maxon's here. Of course, right? Hung him out to dry. Years, I will say, it, several years later, I walked past a class that him and Nini were teaching, mm-hmm. and he was playing Gangster of Love. Yeah. And I popped my head in, and I mentioned it to him later. I was like, "Do you remember when you turned that song off?" And he was like, "But these dancers, they don't, they don't have the blues rhythm. They, they're, they're missing so the swing them. timing." And I was like, "That's what I was." Trying to tell you. Right. <laughs> but like it took him longer to figure it out because he didn't need that education. No, he, he was, was very Lin- nat- He was a Lindy dancer. And naturally before talented. Before he was a West right. Coast Swing dancer. He was. Yeah. So he, that was something that he, yep. like I said, in, in France, I think it was initially marketed as a contemporary dance. Mm-hmm. It wasn't marketed as a blues dance like it was to me. Right. Um, and so that just, like, it was something that he was trying to bring back in and, and correct later. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't been over there in a while, so I don't know what they're, what they're mm-hmm. doing or what they're dancing to now. It's still not a lot of blues. <laughs> I was saying, I went I to Budapest like, and heard, like, two blues songs. Even here, there's not a lot. And that's something that we've been trying to do better at the century. Um, 
because as Koichi's become, he's one of our main DJs. I'm a DJ there. Mm-hmm. And as he's traveled and kind of seen and, and broadens his perspective, when he first started DJing. Right. No, I know. He just played contemporary sure, music. The- uh, when I first started DJing there, I played contemporary because that's what we did with that dance. Right. In, in Seattle, when right. I started dancing, mm-hmm. there were 10 people under the age of 40. Right. 20 years ago. Just typical. And so there was this, there was this effort to like, how do we bring in the younger younger people? Mm -hmm. And so Century was smart and they said, we're going to do a thing. We're going to have a dance and we're going to play only contemporary, only contemporary music and see if we can bring in a younger crowd and steal from the salsa people. And they did it. And so we built this younger crowd. And now as DJs, we feel like we're going back and trying to season the dancers that we've brought in, if Do you, that makes sense. I think also the misconception... And it's working. Well, of course. And yeah. I think there's a lot of areas that have done it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also the misconception is is that people think that in order to play blues music, there's no new, new blues songs out, but there's new blues music out constantly, all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's good blues music. We don't have to play right. the old stuff. That's that's what, what I think stops the DJs from playing because they don't do their research. And you can go on, you can type in on Pandora Blues and, or mm-hmm. Spotify Blues or Blues Masters on Spotify. You get all these new blues artists. There's constant blues artists coming right. out all the time. So I think it's important for us to educate people, like as teachers, like we do. Right. But let's talk to the DJs more and say, hey, listen, by the way, here's this new station that I found, right. you know, on Spotify or Pandora. But the, like, the, I found, oh, the job of DJ was way more stressful than I thought it was going to be <laughs> mm-hmm. because at first I was like, oh, I'm just going to play whatever I like because it's going to be good music. And then you realize I can't just play what I particularly mm-hmm. like. I have to play what's going to keep people dancing, dancing mm-hmm. because that's my job here is to fill the floor and make the room right. happy. And if I suck at my job, then I wreck everybody's night. Right. So, but the, But the flip side is, is that you you as a dancer know good music right we just have to recognize we can't play every good song that we know in a row we have to like sneak it in mm-hmm. so subliminally we're educating them <laughs> they don't realize what's happening like we do the jedi mind trick take mm-hmm. this song yeah right um so i think you don't need to be nervous just less of all the songs that you like right <laughs> play what they like and then Makes every Every, like, five songs, play two of the ones that you like. You know, you need to know this song, mm-hmm. Jedi Mind Trick, Jedi right? Mind trick. I think that'll work. Well, I also think you you mentioned something earlier about how they were kind of marketing this as a contemporary dance. And it's been my experience, and I've kind of said this before, that I care less about spreading the dance because I think it's doing just fine. I, I agree. Yeah. And I'm more Absolutely. concerned with raising the quality of the experience mm-hmm. of those of us who are here. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and that's what I'm calling seasoning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so at my dance, I tell anybody who wants to DJ for me, you must play variety. Right. I, I should hear blues. I should hear soul. And by the way, they're different. Right. And jazz. Uh, <laughs> and jazz. <laughs> so everybody just calls it contemporary or blues. And I'm no. bad. Yeah, yeah. Blues is a genre of music. Contemporary is not. Um, right. But uh, yeah, so I make sure that they play it. But I also think there's a, a misperception that to attract people, we must play the music they hear on the radio. Mm -hmm. And I had this conversation with Tom Paderna. Hi, Tom. I know you're probably listening. Um, (laughs) Because Tom, like you, Katie, was saying, my job is to fill the floor. And so early in the night, he actually plays a lot more, he was playing a lot more pop music Mm -hmm. that he thought the newbies would be familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. And that would draw them in. And I said, Tom, 
your job, kind of what you say, Deborah, mm-hmm. they're new to this dance. Your job is to educate. Your job is to tell them this is what we dance to in West Coast Swing. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, newbies, at least my newbies anyway at Mission City, they'll dance to everything and anything. They'll dance right. to they everything. Just dance. They just want to dance. just want to do it. So mm-hmm. if you play a blues song, they're going to be on the floor and they're going to think this is what we do yeah. West Coast Swing to. Right. Um, so I think there's a misperception that we have to play what people already know or want to hear. The other thing that I'll say too on the youth thing um, is it kind of cracks me up because, you know, like the youngest dance I know is Lindy Hop. And those people are dancing to music <laughs> That's that music. are beyond my <laughs> grandparents. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And like to think that young people, first of all, that I mean, granted, I'm very music driven. So, so if it's right, crappy right. night of music, I don't like right. it. Right. But what I love about West Coast is the variety. That's why I don't do Lindy as much anymore. Right. Um, but I do love jazz and blues. Mm-hmm. Like it's not an age thing. You say this all the time, Deborah. Good music is good music That's regardless right. of the time. Right. And I feel like if it if it were solely music driven, then no young people would be doing Lindy, right? right. Like it can't be that young people only want to hear their clientele is completely young in Lindy, mm-hmm. and, and and maybe I, I don't know if it's also part of the reason theirs is younger is because the speed of the music. Yeah, because, I think it's the energy. Right. I think I, I do think that's a, a part of it, mm-hmm. um, and I I think West Coast Swing gives off a different aura than Lindy does. Mm-hmm. Um, even now, I'm like, I'm too old for Lindy and not because of the community. Like, Right, it's because <laughs> it's the music's just, too well, fast. me and I've aged and like right. my soul has aged. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right like, <laughs> like to go out and do a dance with that level of enthusiasm and joy, I just don't have that anymore. <laughs> I'm a little more jaded. I'm a little older. Life has scarred me a bit. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. Right, so it's just different. But, um, but I do think if we can present west coast swing and all of its variety um first of all you'll reach more people because right. it's not like we only want to reach young people um and you might reach young people who actually do like jazz and blues or soul right or you expose them to it they come for the yeah. contemporary music mm-hmm. and they like those songs but then they get hooked on the dance they mm-hmm. want to do it to anything and mm-hmm. you play the old right blues i mean song or when i started but i was a i was a special case like i said there were only 10 people under 40 in the whole city of Seattle. That was me when I started. Right, when we started. But um, but I would dance to anything. Yep. You know, I just wanted to, to, dance. to, to do it. <laughs> um, I think it's and also- I still begged the DJ to play songs by Jennifer Lopez. You know, I still sure, sure. wanted to hear things that were on the radio. Right. But I didn't have, like, that wasn't, that wasn't the selling point for me. Yeah, I think right. it's funny, too, because when I came into the swing dance community, um, I also came in from, in a much larger city. I came in in New York and then mm-hmm. uh, moved to California. Um, I was lucky enough to be exposed to, you know, John Festa, who really knows, like, good music. Yeah. From all decades. Right? From all decades and all genres. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me coming into West Coast Swing, I was like, wow, this is great. Like, we play all, every song, every song was a good song. There was no, like, uh, mm, not so much, you know. But I did notice that when I finally went to California, they danced differently than we did mm-hmm. in New York, and they listened to different music than we did. So I, and partially I think it's because New York is part of a Lindy community, right? And a, and a hustle-based community. So we had music that was more um, soul-driven, mm-hmm. um, whereas in California there was a lot of contemporary coming out, and I was wow. like, pop music. Um, also, too, because that's kind of like, LA was like a music capital of lots of artists that 
you know, lived out there. And I noticed that the dance was a little different and mm-hmm. I, I would have to adjust how I, mm-hmm. how I moved. But it never, I, I never said, um, wow, we need younger people in, in, in this community. Cause when I was in LA, I mean, everybody was younger than me. You know, I was, I was like kind of one of the oldest because like when I came into the swing community, when I finally moved out to LA, I was like 26 or 27 and everyone else was much, like, that's when I met Kyle and Sarah and, you know, Jordan and Tatiana and just all the juniors. And, you know, I was the, I was like the old fart, <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Shiloh and all of that, that there's that whole group, Candace Carvalho, everybody was younger. So it's interesting to me that now people think that there's, we need, or now that we're good at it, now there's younger people, there was a time when we needed more youth in it. And I just never saw that there was never youth. I I was aware of it. I mean, I started dancing in DC um, and Helen Taco and I learned West Coast together. And we would talk about how we're like, wow, because we also did Lindy at the same time. So then we'd go like Lindy and it was all college or recent grads. Mm -hmm. And then we'd go to a West Coast night and we're like, oh, there's like, 10 people under 40. <laughs> there were there were a couple different people in the Lindy community that I remember Pete and I tried recruiting for West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, we bring them to the dark side. And they, yeah. could, they <laughs> would come and be like, yeah, I like the music, but I mean, everybody else is in their 50s. And mm. they're like, yeah, I know. But... <laughs> well, it does, it yeah, does take a I mean, critical mass for you to feel comfortable. Yes. Like to I feel said, like you belong. for for certain people, like I said, for me, I just didn't care. I I I was I was literally going to dances and spending the majority of the time dancing with men in their seventies. That's just what was happening. Yeah, nobody mm. my age could do it. There were there were like five people. It was you know <laughs> that were that were close to my age, and we had a fun little group that we practiced mm-hmm. and hung out with. But the majority of the people I danced with were much older than me. Yes. Um. And so I, in Seattle, we. We did need to bring in some younger people. I mean, need as in I, that's what I wanted right. for myself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll... <laughs> but there's always that thought of like we wanted like the swing club in general too. Like we need to keep it going. Like we don't just want right. the people that are here right. to you know to get too old and die, and then the, everything you know no one dances anymore. You need to keep refilling. Right, the next generation. The, yeah, the next generation. Right, and I think it's important to understand too, which most people don't know that the Seattle. Swing Club is the oldest swing club, oldest swing club in the United States. It's been around yes. the longest. It's the oldest. Um, so to their defense, I guess as you build something and it grows, you don't think about, oh, we have to replenish and nurture. And mm-hmm. so it was good that you came into the swing community at, when you did because you helped them see that we need more. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think I've, I've been talking um, to more people who run these kind of clubs. Mm-hmm. And I haven't talked to anybody from Seattle, but um, I know I talked to Gail Jacobson, who's part of no relation, part of the Twin Cities Rebels, <laughs> yes. um, you know, and I've been talking to Dave Cooper at Redwood Empire Swing Dance Club, mm-hmm. which is one of the older ones. Um, I've been asking people about Capital, Next Gen Swing Dance Club, mm-hmm. and they are experiencing, they recognize that they are now, they were the next generation and right. now they're the older generation. Right. Mm-hmm. And they recognize, but they struggle to bring new people in. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think it's interesting that you made this concerted effort to get young people thinking we want to sustain mm-hmm. our local club. Right. Um, cause I really haven't seen that. And I'll be, I'll be a hundred percent honest. When I started Mission City Swing, um, the number of dancers in their twenties and thirties in the Bay area who came out regularly was not high. Um, and it was like a lot of the high school college kids from Santa Rosa mm-hmm. and the Nordquist program and like 40, 50 plus. 
So there was a big gap in between. There was a gap. Yeah. And there wasn't dancing in San Francisco where most of the 20s, 30s right. lived. Mm-hmm. And yeah, part of my mission with Mission City Swing was to get peers mm-hmm. dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Which you did. I mean, I'm friends with the older people too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was to get young people in. I haven't thought about... It's been a challenge because Next Gen has made an effort to get younger people. They mm-hmm. have younger people on their, on their board. I certainly promote their dance and try to get people to go there. Um, but I feel like it's a challenge for those older clubs to bring in the new generation to actually own it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's one thing to go to their events and another to step up and be and to own that club model. And honestly, I I don't know where the club model goes. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how it works here in Seattle, but I feel like the club model I don't know, I don't see a lot of clubs being successful in the long run with that same model. Right. And that's definitely something I don't have a lot of interactions with, um, with the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not something I have time for in mm-hmm. my life. Um, but I, I know several people on the board and that have worked with the club for a long time. And so that is a challenge as far as them trying to figure out what is our place in the community. Mm-hmm. How do we mm-hmm. get people to become members and, mm-hmm. and care about the community of it? And that's a really hard one, especially with the amount of growth that our community has seen. There's somewhere for us to dance every night of the week. Mm-hmm. And so we're not dependent on club dances right. anymore. Where when I started dancing, there were two club dances a month and there was a dance on Thursdays. Right. And that right. was it. Right. And the swing club was always really well attended because everybody was going to be there because it was the only place that you could dance. Mm-hmm. And um, and there wasn't a, another way to, to communicate with everybody where mm-hmm. now we have Facebook and, you know, mm-hmm. you can send out an invite and invite everyone, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't necessarily need those same, um, I don't need the address book that the club used to right. put together to right. figure out who am I going to send an email list. to. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Um, technology's changed things. Absolutely. Right. So yeah, just the, the growth that we have and the mm-hmm. choice that we have in the technology. Right. I, I do think the club needs to find a, a different way to stay relevant. current and relevant. Useful. Yeah. yeah. I think also too, you know, subconsciously that age group is a little bit um, nervous that they'll become, they'll, they'll be an afterthought and they'll be forgotten and they'll be obsolete and nobody wants to dance with them because this is a, a concern that I hear from a lot of people from that mm-hmm. uh, age group. And we have to find a way to bring us together, still keep us separate for certain things. Right. And I think they haven't found that Avenue yet. That's all. Yeah. 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 Well, and I agree with you. I think the, the club, most of these clubs started because they were the source of West coast swing right. in their community at the time. They established mm-hmm. themselves as clubs to offer West coast swing where it was not right. really being offered. Um, and so you supported the club because they were the ones providing you with your West Coast swing dancing. And that's not the case in a lot of these cities anymore. Now there's multiple right. places dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's changing the model. Um, but I'm curious to get back to the question of the dance. Um, you know, we talked about how the music is influencing it. Mm-hmm. What are, what are the changes you're seeing and what are you liking and what are you wishing might go a different direction? Might go a different direction. <laughs> Trying to put it in a um, positive light. <laughs> Politically correct. <laughs> right. Yeah, if the if the like samba music could go away, that it's would be yeah, it's nice. starting to. It's yeah. happening. Swing music's coming back. Yeah, I know. Yay. So exciting. So exciting. <laughs> Everything I always say that I feel like the everything comes full circle, the mm-hmm. pendulum mm-hmm. 
you know, always swings back. Yes. I would say we swing does that. There will be something that's new and fun, and we're always going to take what's on the radio and see what we can do with it. That's Mm -hmm. always. So as long as there are that many songs coming out like that, um, we're going to try to figure it out. People want to try it, which that's what we do. So fun. But I mean, like I've been through in 20 years, we had a, a swussle yep. period and a swango and a sh- period. And a swag and a sh- period. Sh- yeah, swag, swag was period. really big. Yeah. And then, um, and Jordan Top brought Zook into right. it. Right, totally. Yeah, so I feel like there have always kind of been these ins and outs of things. Um, and for a little while, Lindy Hop, we were yeah. doing a lot of crossover yeah. stuff, and now we don't do that hardly anymore. Well, I think that's what's great so. about our dance is that we – we we allow other dances to mm-hmm. influence us a little bit, but sometimes we go a little bit too far. Too far. Sure. We need to come back to center. Yeah. You know, that's that's why our dance is so continuously evolves. And I think we're doing that. If you look yeah. at a lot of the music choices people were putting on the floor yeah. this year at the Open, I was really, really pleased mm-hmm. to see so many kind of classic songs and everything that um, Maxine and Tori are doing right now is Absolutely. fantastic. Totally. And I think really they're doing their work to Pull the pendulum back. Right, the other exactly. As other people teaching yeah. and talking about the music again. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, in, you know, in closing. Sure. Um, so, Project Swing, mm-hmm. right, which you've been a huge part of here um, in Seattle, but yes. especially at Easter Swing. Tell us a little bit what Project Swing is about and what your role is at Easter Swing. So, it's the newcomer event. That we um, that we do every year at Easter and Sea to Sky is sort of doing it too. So both events here in Seattle run these three hour free basics for um, the general public. The general public, yeah, mm-hmm. we promote it to everyone everywhere, and hundreds of people mm-hmm. show up. I think the the most we've had show up is like three hundred. I remember, people. yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Um, so that's just really exciting as far as bringing bringing people in and you know giving them three hours of of instruction, letting them come to the dance, see what's going on. They, I think they can social dance a little bit Mm -hmm. and they can watch Mm -hmm. some of the competitions and stuff. Yeah. Just getting them, um, introduced to it. And then because it's run by the swing club, so it's here at Easter, but it's put on by the swing club. Mm -hmm. So there's information for all of the classes that we have all over, both on the East side and on the West side. So we have an East side and West side here in Seattle. Yeah. And how the size of the lake. How do you get the in, how do you get the information out to the masses to ha- to acquire three hundred people to show up at a Seattle Easter swing? What is it that you do to make those people show up? I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's not that's, that's not the part I would do. <laughs> she shows up. And- Scott McKay has been really the spearhead of that at the swing club for the last several years, and how he's doing it, I'm not sure, but he's doing an amazing job. Yeah, amazing. people here. He totally yeah. is doing. And I think uh, you know we should also recognize that Project Swing was the brainchild of Parker Dearborn, mm-hmm. who who's recently has stepped away mm-hmm. um, from doing it, but the fact that it continues on is absolutely um, fantastic, and that we you know expose West Coast Swing to. 300 something people at a swing dance event is yeah. just unbelievable. And I actually remember the first year you guys did it here uh, in Seattle and I, and it was you and Jim. Is it still you and Jim doing it now? I'm doing it this year. So this year we're splitting it up. Miles and Tessa are taking the first hour and a half and gotcha. me and Ben, my partner now. Are okay. Doing it. Yeah. But I remember, mm-hmm. you know, walking downstairs where all, all the partitions of the ballrooms for the workshops was completely open and it was a mess. Yeah. Sea of just people. It's like 12, 13 lines, mm-hmm. you know, long craziness doing West Coast Swing. 
yeah. ridiculousness. And it's been so, it's been fun to be a part of this for several years now because it's one of those things where as much as you take information, you never know, like, do those people end up in classes? Right. Do we see them again? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the people that are there are people who have been West Coast Swing before but maybe haven't done it in a while. So they come to kind of get a refresh. To see what's going on. See what's going on and come to the event for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I feel like it's a it's a place where we bring in new people, but it's also a way to like bring back people who haven't been here in a while. Um, and and it's hard to track though, like where do those people go and have we seen them? But right. I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had where I'll see someone and be like, you know, the first time that I met you was at that free class at Easter Swing like three years ago, and I didn't do swing lessons for a year because I was doing something else, but I ended up at this other. You know, it just yeah, always is yeah. that kind of story where maybe they didn't immediately become part of the community, but it was their start. It was oh, their in, great. and mm-hmm. they found their way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they found their way back they to swing. <laughs> Yay! You mentioned earlier that. When you started, when you took over the program at Century, that mm-hmm. you made changes, that was, that was quote unquote your way of, of <laughs> approaching the dance. Sure. And um, since you work with beginners, you're bringing a lot of people mm-hmm. in. And we've talked about building community and teaching on this show. Uh, I'm just wondering what, what is your approach and what do you think has been successful in, in the way you teach the dance for getting people up and running? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a balance you have to, you have to run between, I only have an hour. Mm-hmm. time today in right. five weeks with level one we do everything in five week series right um you know what do they need to know to get up and running what's going to make them stay mm-hmm. so you balance as much technique as you feel like you can handle with entertainment with entertainment mm-hmm. right and i um i i hate dumbing things down yep. right for somebody who's new but there are definitely things that maybe we don't elaborate all of the technique that goes right. into this and give you, you know, just as, and it's, it's hard level. to figure out how do I, how do I use as few words as possible mm-hmm. to say the, the most information to them? Like yes. you really learn to pare down how you use your words and mm-hmm. how to get things across quickly yes. and efficiently mm-hmm. so that they understand, they can understand and do it so that you time. can get, because Lesko Swing is hard. Yes. Like this isn't a dance that, People just are yep. like, oh, I'm going to do this thing and it'll be easy to pick up. It, yeah, you, it takes some dedication yeah. and you have to really want to do it to learn this dance. And so convincing people to give it a chance and give it enough time, mm-hmm. you know, to right. just kind of figure it out in their bodies. We recommend a lot of people take level one again. And I can't tell yep. you the number of people mm-hmm. that they took level one and they were really struggling, and we just said, "Try just, just try it again. Just come back, take level one again, and see how it is. And that second time goes so much better because they're less nervous about everything, and they have more time to focus on what I'm saying versus being nervous about people. Yeah, room. Robin and I did that when we taught in California. We would always encourage them to retake level one, one yeah. you know, one more time. I make um, them take. I make them take the fundamentals twice. Well, <laughs> because yeah, I say, yeah. look, you're, the first time you're just getting you're all wrong. Or take one and two together, right? Well, and sometimes yeah. I'll let that if they're ready. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm like, you're, you're not going to master it the first time, and that's okay, right? Like you're just right. getting your training wheels on. Let's take them off the second time, right? And there's 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 a lot of you know controversy around West Coast Swing right now where there's some people that don't like us to say that the dance is hard because. <laughs> Because they feel like, you know, it's not your starter dance. It, you know, it'll turn people away. And and my my philosophy is is that I mean, it was it's hard for all of us. It doesn't matter like mm-hmm. where you start or whatever. You just we we say it's hard because you need to be dedicated to it. There's no there's no fake your way to the top right. with this dance. 
right? It's not because it's hard, like, oh my God, like you need to be, you know. Right. You need to be a trained dancer right. to yeah. succeed at it. No, you well, don't. Well, I think it's good to set the appropriate expectations for people. I, I want to tell them, hey, you've taken on something that is not necessarily really easy. So if this feels like you're not getting it and it's too hard for you. Don't get discouraged. Know that that's okay. Right. That right. you're, the, that that you're in a right spot. Like mm-hmm. if after one hour you're like, I'm never going to get it. Like that's not true. Right. Um, it does just sometimes take a little bit longer. So right. Right. So don't feel like. Don't don't let that discourage you. Right, Stick I say with the same and, thing. and come back. Yeah. yeah, I tell my students nobody learns anything one hour a week. No, you just don't get no. good at it. No, yeah. and I do tell them. I tell them West Coast Swing is arguably the most difficult partner dance to right. master. The only people who argue with me are tango dancers. And <laughs> um, but I say, um, but that's like to master the dance, right. right? And yet at the same time, I also tell them this dance is the closest you will ever get to walking. Right. <laughs> like straight walking. We have no bounce, rise and fall, mm-hmm. hip sway. Like right. just walk through the dance and you'll get there. And I, I do tell them that there's a difference between doing West Coast Swing and doing it well. Right. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want you all to do it well. And that just takes time. Well, right. and I also think part of the, 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 the why it's so difficult is the dance continuously evolves. Yes. Right? I mean, the, the basic fundamentals stay the same, right? Mm-hmm. But the feel of it and how we move through space changes you know, constantly, which makes it even harder because I'm still mastering right. the yeah. dance. I mean, I've been doing this dance since 1994. Like, Hello, that's, <laughs> isn't that why we're still here? Right. You know exactly. Because it keeps changing because it because as right. a new challenge. And right. New and that's why we're still it. here because mm-hmm. we don't rest on our laurels and are like, well, I've learned everything. Right. <laughs> well, and when people say, "Don't tell people it's too it's hard," I feel like the challenge is what actually hooks people <laughs> like it's oh, a yeah. it's motiv- one of the motivation theories is goal setting if you set right. a goal that's like challenging people mm-hmm. not impossible right? right which it's not um and i also i i take the same approach as you um which is at, i give them the technique but it's at a basic level right like let me just give you the fundamentals and then there's going to be so we get so We're much more layer in mm-hmm. like i'll give you a basic feel of an anchor and stretch in the, the basic right. class but then wait till you get to intermediate. Oh my and god! You like how Mind really blowing. Yeah. Create more stretch and, and frame, you, and you know. And I think they like it too because they're layer like, it on. yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. Well, Katie, you were amazing today. Thank, thank you so you. much for thanks, joining us. Yes, really thanks for guys. joining us. Um, and thank you so much for what you do for the dance community, um, both locally and nationally. Right, and what you do for humans because you're a good human. Oh, thank you, Deborah. You're welcome. I like you. I like you. <laughs> if people want to reach you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, you can always reach out to me on Facebook, Schneider, spelled S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R. That's the tricky part there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can email me also at K-B as in boy, Schneider, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R, at live.com is my email address. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thanks. If you want to share your thoughts and reactions with us, you can post a comment on our website. You can respond to our posts on Facebook or you can share your thoughts in our discussion group on Facebook. You can also email Eric and me through our site at thenakedtruthwcs.com or through our Facebook page. To get the latest news, you can like our page on Facebook, subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on Instagram at thenakedtruthwcs, and follow us on Twitter, which how many, I don't know how many we have We're in the 40s currently. Yes. As of this recording. We're moving up in the world. 43, I think. So our Twitter handle is at Naked Truth WCS. 
Thanks, Sean McKeever, for following us. <laughs> Don't forget, you can buy some stylish swag at our online store. Just go to thenakedtruthwcs.com forward slash store to buy yours today. We can ship it to you or we can get it to you at an upcoming event. You can also just find us at an event. Deborah and I will both have swag on us wherever we go. Again, that's thenakedtruthwcs.com forward slash store. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you might listen to a podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on Facebook. And if you're on iTunes, please rate us and give us a review over on iTunes. It helps spread the word. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And that's The Naked Truth. Check one, two, three, four. Six, seven, eight. What? I know. It's nuts, right? Oh my god, fired you are. I did not grow up in a family that watched like musicals. Like I was kind of the weird one that did gymnastics and then didn't really do dancing until I was older. Right, but then once you got into dancing, you didn't think to watch chorus line. Yeah, no, I guess not. God damn. <laughs> what in the world? Hey, we just got our theme song. <laughs> just, Not the actual song. You do it. <laughs> just wanted to see just if it worked. Yeah.